Welcome to True Story, a podcast powered by the Institute of Documentary Film in Prague. I'm your host, Nicole Jennifer Edelman. Welcome to True Story. Today we have Pavel Boretsky with us, and he is um, involved with a really interesting project called Living Water. I watched the film. It brings up a lot of stories about not only how water, of course, is everything for all creatures, big and small, but our stories surrounding water. And this is a very particular story surrounding water. And with that, I would love just to get you to start speaking about this beautiful film. Well, thank you, first of all, for your nice words. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's multi-layered, but every filmmaker tends to see many layers in his or her films. So I, I don't think I'm the first one. But to be honest, I spent one year, 2018, living in Jordan, doing my field work as a PhD researcher in Switzerland into water issues. More broadly, more generally, I visited different communities. I live in urban areas, in rural areas, north, south, and so on. And I came across this very unique uh, story, which is the story of the most expensive infrastructural project in the Jordanian history. And when you hear something like that, you want to know more. Yeah. Right? Especially when it comes to digging stuff from underground. It was all about mining, uh, actually, uh, as I later realized of the underground water resources. So my hunch was, hey, let's go to the place where they take this water from. The water travels. So let's start with the source. And what, what do I find out when I you know, visit those communities, when I visit those different um, water users and so on? And I started noticing some tensions, conflicts, and I decided, okay, if I want to make a feature film, which originally I wanted, traveling to Jordan, I decided this is the right spot. This is a theme. So going back, um, you've been a filmmaker for a while now, and you knew before your work in Jordan that you wanted to make a film there. Because of the landscape, because of the vibe, because of how different it is from the Czech Republic? Well, if I try to be brief, I've been always attracted by extremes. Okay. Um, of different kinds. Like I did uh, research in Amazon into indigenous uh, traditional knowledge, mm. like hoping that using a camera can help us to you know, safeguard traditional heritage in new novel ways rather than just describing it in text. We should mm. take photographs, be present, use bodies, mm. accept that bodies are our main tools we use to know the world. So I did this kind of a research in Amazon and then I got attracted by deserts, what's happening with the desert people, with indigenous populations in the deserts. I made a short film in Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic, which is the place not many people know, unfortunately, but it's a, it's a semi-recognized state created around the refugee communities in the south of Algeria. Mm -hmm. And it's protracted, unresolved uh, refugee crisis. And those people were stuck there because of the international relations for three generations. And th their story is kind of uh, comparable to the story of Palestinians. Mm -hmm. They were sort of ev evicted from the land they kind of feel entitled to, mm -hmm. Western Sahara. 
and Moroccans stepped in. I don't want to go into details of the Western Sahara conflict, but here we are with the kicking climate change. Those populations are living deep in the Sahara. Mm-hmm. And it's tough in summer. And imagine uh, young people, elderly people, really being uh, stuck there. But having this dream of return to their homeland, only if they remain strong and you know, protect the cause. Storytelling. Yeah, storytelling. <laughs> and I made a short film using uh, sensory ethnography methods. And I mean, hopefully we'll go in more into details of how the film is made, what yeah. is sensory ethnography, which is I'm quite fond of, of this narrative strategy or storytelling strategy. So this was one sort of a side project I did 2016 while getting ready for uh, Jordan. And Jordan, how this happened to be. I was invited to work as a curator uh, for Goethe Institute. Excellent. And they sent me with uh, Lukáš Hodek, perhaps you know Lukáš, a Czech activist, photographer. I don't know him personally. But. Okay, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great man. He does a great job. Hello, Lukáš. <laughs> Lukáš, if you are listening, I'm sending my greetings. And with Petra Hulova, okay, Petra yes. Hulova, Czech writer. And we teamed up with the two Jordanian curators. And we were preparing a cultural program for Prague in between Jordan and Czech Republic in times of the so-called refugee crisis. Mm. The idea was to show that there is much more things in common than, than because of those neo-Nazis, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. walking around and telling us how Islam is dangerous and so on. Yeah. We need to look into commonalities and build bridges. And I kind of res- it resonated with me. So I traveled to Jordan. And I discover amazing things. Yeah, and, the uh, patterns that connect us all, water being one of them. You know, I always like dystopic novels. Mm. And in some sense, it's super dystopic already. Mm-hmm. But these guys are extremely resilient, mm-hmm. Jordanians. Mm-hmm. But they are in a tough spot, okay? Geographically. Geographically. And they don't, they don't, have, they don't have much firepower, like resources. Mm. They don't have oil. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they've been hosting uh, like six so-called waves of refugees in 20th century. So the whole Jordanian society is built around refugees. Got it. And they kept accepting them, knowing that they have very little to share. So for me, this is like amazing story, especially for Europeans. Mm-hmm. You know, we live like princesses. Pavel Boretsky is a social anthropologist and audiovisual ethnographer. As an awardee of Swiss Excellence Scholarship, he is currently finishing his multimedia PhD on water scarcity in the Middle East. In his community practice, Pavel runs the research organization Anthro Pictures, curates the film program Ethnokino, and co-organizes the European Applied Anthropology Network. Pavel's earlier films, Solaris, released in 2015, and In the Devil's Garden, 2018, focused on the consumption culture in Estonia and the human-animal relations in Sarari, Arab Democratic Republic. The films were screened at numerous film festivals and conferences in Europe and abroad. Living Water, released in 2020, is his first feature-length documentary film. And as Emily Bouyes, the director of Visions de Real States, formulates an important and necessary discourse on the economic, political, and environmental issues inherent with water and our intricate need for it. Living Water recently had a successful showing at Visions de Real, Yileva EDFF, and CPX Docks in Copenhagen. The film is also a part of the current East Silver Market catalog.
But no matter what, resources are not renewable in the way that we know them to be. We have to have a more sustainable relationship with the world, the blue planet in total. So I'd love to speak a little bit about sustainability as a concept in that region. Well, that's a big topic. Uh, but I would like to start like somehow reflecting on the idea of scarcity. Okay. Like, there's not enough. Or The concept, much, the story yeah, of the, scarcity. The concept, the concept of scarcity itself. Okay. And I mean, if you look into the work of, let's say, political ecology, which is a growing field, mm-hmm. I, I recommend everyone to Google this up, political ecology. One of the dominant ex- narratives, or let's say the fields of exploration, is the fact how scarcity is constructed through language and through, through politics. How resources are not just something out there that it has, it is, has been lying there in a, in a specific quantity and then it's up to us to distribute it in a fair way. Mm. To a certain extent mm. this is true. right? The, the amount of gold in the world is limited. Quantitative perspective matters, but at the same time, what matters even more is how, what do you do about it? Mm-hmm. How you discuss this scarcity? Scarcity for whom? Who has more? Who has less? And I have my very dear friend and uh, the living water collaborator, Hussam Hussein. Mm. He's a consultant in a film and he's a water expert and international relations expert. He wrote a PhD thesis really inspiring on how the scarcity is created uh, in Jordanian society. So he was trying to question the role of the power, the powerful, using the scarcity. Oh, we don't have enough here. Mm -hmm. The language of scarcity as a fear tactic. Yes, and as a control tactic. Absolutely. And now listen to us. We know what to do. You know, we don't have much. We have a power, we have knowledge, so you better listen to our decisions. And very often he noticed this has been used to belittle and to exclude and um, disenfranchise. I understand completely what you're saying. And also with that, it raises the issue of personal responsibility in many, many ways and many layers. That overarching feeling of, oh, we, these are our government leaders. They know everything. I, I feel like people feel this way about doctors too. No. And doctors are just people who studied something specific. Yes. They know something Maybe more than we do, but you also should listen to your own body and have personal responsibility. Is that some of what you saw as well and hear in that language of scarcity? A lack of personal responsibility? Mm. Or people have a drive for personal responsibility and I want to manage my own water? There are different ways how to get into the topic. One of them uh, is a tribal politics mm. in Jordan. It's still pretty much present. It's a relatively new state. It has been, it emerged after the fall of Ottoman Empire and after this brief era of uh, Western colonial colonialism, which somehow lasts until today, of Brits and French. So it's a relatively young state and it's built around several influential families and this, this, this legacy lasts until today. So the king because we are talking about a monarchy, is sort of a moderator of relations mm. and uh, a poster boy for the outside world. And he does the job well. I mean, honestly, he does the job well. In many ways, he's a great leader, the same way as his father, respected by international community. But to be honest, 
There are certain spheres in Jordanian economy that is under the grip of people who don't really care about people. And let's face it, agriculture is unfortunately one of them. And here we go into the water issues. On that note, let's take a moment, let's watch the trailer. will become a huge city. The only water resources for Aqaba now comes from uh, DC Aquifer. But you know, it's a fossil war. Well, it's a beautiful film, and I know that uh, hopefully by the end we'll speak about the sensory ethnography that you mentioned. But just, you know, in regards to our conversation and everything that we're talking about, your research, your history, your personal interests, are you proud? You've made a beautiful film about topics that are really important to you. I don't know. There's this uh, urge, and then you try to do your best with what you can, I mean, what you have. Honestly, it's it's a it's a hum, it's a small film. It's a, we have a little crew. It was me and my good friend uh, John Grzynic. We had some plans, what to do, where to go, what to shoot, but it was very organic, and uh, we were this uh, the, the band of two. But I mean, we always care about the quality, getting as close to the sense of place, getting it right. Different moments, different seasons. We play. We care a lot about sense of place, and we believe this sense of presence um, balanced with what is communicated through language. It was the biggest challenge mm. um, because we did not want to, you know, throw too many words at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at the same time, the the politics, the the the, the, the science, the the, the, the relationships. It always it tends to draw you back to words. I need mm. to use, I need to explain this through words, or maybe no. I need to find the right place, and I need to just to show it, hint it, trust the viewer. And you are always you go always back and forth. Totally, it's I definitely a don't. Dance. I didn't want this to be a talking heads thing, so that's why we opt out. And here I go more into a style um, of the film, um, more of a. There are these voices like a hanging, flying in the air, and it it might be everyone and no one at the same time. We're trying to experiment there a bit. Okay. And maybe this is what I'm what I what I'm a little bit proud about. Okay. Going for a quality, balancing out the sense of place with words, spoken words, and get, giving a viewer place to I would say interpret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, like what is what is this really about? Clear message we want to give, you know. The the water is such and such. Like some factual information needs to come across, and then you are free to draw your conclusions. And we give you space to draw your conclusions through historical material, mm-hmm. through sensations of place, and um, and open ended question at the end. Where do we go next? Mm-hmm. That's always so. This the question, this tricky question of if I'm proud. Honestly, when I go back next year to Jordan, okay. and I see people accepting the film, 
and and having discussions about it and kind of uh, driving the conversations further and forward mm-hmm. with my friends and colleagues in Jordan, perhaps elsewhere in the Middle East. Um, this this would make me feel I accomplished something. True Story is a documentary podcast powered by the Institute of Documentary Film. You can find news from the world of film on all the common platforms such as iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, as well as on docweb.net. I'm sort of trying not to draw too much attention to me as a director. Um, I'm just mediating certain type of conversations that perhaps... Not, I don't want to go fancy and like talking about global community. Let's start somewhere. Let's start in Jordan. Mm-hmm. So since this is a story of Jordan and for Jordan, I'm going back next year with the help of Swiss Development Agency, uh, which is funding a, a string of public events mm. and moder- moderated debate discussions, panel debates, and workshops in five different uh, places across Jordan. And we want to... Uh, push certain agendas uh, further. And this is a story of sustainability. It's a story of climate change. Mm-hmm. My film talks, I mean, portrays certain moments of climate change, certain impacts of climate change, and shows vulnerability, mm-hmm. shows, shows shock. Mm-hmm. And it's shocking in many ways. And, and um, in the Middle East, if you look a little bit into the work of scientists, whom we need to listen more and actually craft our policies according to, to um, instructions of scientists, which this film actually promotes as well, because it features important hydrogeologists, mm-hmm. um, actually female hydrogeologists. Mm-hmm. And uh, I will not tell you. I will not tell you more. You have to watch. Spoiler the film. alert! Spoiler alert! Um, we want to build, use the film as a trigger for for certain agendas and um, and. I would not go as far as saying uh, like a cultural shift, because Jordanians are used to having very little water. Mm. But it's more about shift to innovations. Mm-hmm. Let's collaborate across the disciplines, across the sectors. We don't even know how to do this properly in Central Europe, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, they, they can they can be much better in, in in Jordan as well. So inspire certain drive and. Hopefully cinema can do something little for us. Let's speak about sensory ethnography for a minute. Um, the sound is a character, I would say, in this film. So using that as a platform, can you speak a little bit more about sensory ethnography as a topic? Yes. Or as a tool? Or both. It's uh, Well, we intentionally, with John, we wanted to work with and around water and the technologies that are interconnected with water distribution, water extraction, to kind of give enough space in our attention span, or however you call it, to the, to the element itself. How, how it's sort of a screaming for help, in a way, mm, or mm-hmm. how it's constrained and channeled and used, and so on. And it's a, it's a non-human element. I mean, it doesn't have a life. Like recently, Kosakowski made this fabulous film, Gunda, and we kind of know how to empathize with animals. In mm-hmm. our brains, in our cultures, we see them as, as, as living beings, mm-hmm. right? So it's relatively easy to push forward the sympathy 
and to push push forward for animal rights. And I I don't understand why this is not a standard globally, mm-hmm. but we, it's relatively doable, I would say. But how about minerals? Who cares for minerals? You know, <laughs> and now they're an unrepresented group. Yes, <laughs> yes. We need more solidarity with our non-human mineral world. And mm-hmm. It's just not lying there for anyone to take it. Mm-hmm. And water is this in between. That's funny about water. It's it's mesmerizing. It's always transforming. Without water, we cannot be human. But at the same time, it doesn't have a life in our old modernistic uh, way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, we're kind of playing around uh, in this polar, with this polarity, trying to blur it a bit. Dancing and, with water. Yeah, you can call it this way. <laughs> <laughs> What are the next steps for the film? How can we see it? How can we support you? How can we support... More people seeing your film as well. Well, so let's st- <laughs> let's start with something egoistic. I mean, look, I said this is relatively a, s- a small, humble production, and there is still a crowdfunding campaign running, and we are not really pushing that much in this direction anymore. Uh, we are grateful for every support we got. But how do people find the crowdfunding? Say it on the online. If they go to livingwaterfilm.com website, there is a link. And they can check. We are offering different sorts of rewards, um, me including. I can visit you in your living room and, and have can, a deep chat. I can kind of have a chat about the film. Wonderful. Uh, but so that's sort of a you know production side of things. But the film is itself is finished, and we are now planning hard its next life. Um, We are hoping for a nice. I mean, the the the, the start at Ihlava. I'm really grateful for this. I enjoy, despite the fact it was all online. Mm. Um, it was enjoyable, and the organizers did a did a great job. Congratulations! But we are hoping for real cinema, hopefully in in uh, March. Okay. And now we are in discussion with different programmers in Europe, and hopefully someone would pick it up. And I'm all about raising awareness. So whoever wants to tie together science, arts, water, environmental issues, I think this is a case study we can weave or we can build upon, weave together and um, and use it further in whichever context uh, you might imagine. I mean, the climate challenge is a story; it's a challenge of our time, mm-hmm, and absolutely. let's just do something about it. Fascinating. Thank you so much for being here, Pavel. Thank you for inviting me. This was Pavel Varetsky. Thank you for listening to the True Story Podcast, a podcast powered by the Institute of Documentary Film in Prague. We will be back with you soon. <laughs>